Welcome to the Dance to Oneness podcast. My name is Amy Shine, and I'm inviting you to discover and explore the many different paths to more possibilities. Welcome, everyone. This is episode 37 of the Dance to Oneness podcast. I'm your host, Amy Shine, and today is episode 37. The topic today is what is recovery really? And I have a special guest here with me, Annie Mamash. And Annie is um, a friend of mine and creates with me and an amazing being, amazing creator in the world. Um, And it's funny, I met Annie through Access Consciousness classes and We've been exploring the tools and the work of Right Recovery for You together, creating together with the Right Recovery for You book club. But I actually don't know Annie's story in recovery. I know she's been through the 12-step program. I know she's been through addiction and, and recovery, but I don't actually know the backstory. So today Annie's joined me and she's going to, um, we're going to ask her questions. We're going to learn more about her recovery and her story. Welcome, Annie. <laughs> Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. I'm, I feel like I'm really excited about the story. Hey, I'm so <laughs> excited to tell it. What would you like to know? Well, so to start with, like, I, so what, what was addiction for you? What was your addiction? Yeah, so my addiction, um, you know, according to the rest of the world was alcohol, drugs, sex, like, I, I just kind of ran the gamut, you know, like I went through all of the programs to explore just how fucked up I was, where it was just like, it started with booze and then maybe I had a problem with sex or maybe it was sex first and then booze. And then maybe I had a problem with codependency and then maybe, <laughs> you know, like I, I just, um, I excelled in every program that I went to, to find out how fucked up I was, you know, like I just really kind of went for it and went all in. Um, and got to know as much as possible about, you know, like what I had to do to recover. I think the weirdest one was sex, uh, sex and love addicts anonymous, where they were like, you have to stop having sex. And I was like, I don't think I can do that. (laughs) So I walked out of there and I was still drinking at the time. And, um, and I was just always like searching for, um, you know, the next program that was going to help me get to the root of um, why I was so messed up, even though I didn't get why I was so messed up. It was just more like everyone kept telling me I was messed up and like things kind of got messed up in my life. But it was never really like, for me, life was great. You know, (laughs) like I I didn't really see like that I had, you know, sure. Like I, I, I got out of control according to everybody else, right? Where I drank too much, um, got too crazy, didn't prioritize school, didn't, you know, like do things the way that everybody else was doing them. And, um, and I wasn't living a life according to my family. That was for sure. Right. So um, I, I drank for about five years Um, just like through college and then kind of afterwards and 
the afterwards part was really rough because I was living with my parents at the time. So like I was, you know, living my life the way that I had wanted to. And, and truly, like truthfully, I was running away from a lot. Like before, so before I started drinking, my, my dad passed away. So I kind of like, <laughs> I set up this whole wonderful story for myself where like my dad passed away and that was why I was so fucked up that I needed to go and drink and like get out of control and do drugs and like do all the things that I did. Um, and that was really the story that I told myself in my brain was just like, okay, we're going to, we're going to make our lives into this like Hollywood movie <laughs> where like we've, sorry, you had a question. Well, no, I was going to yeah. say like, so like I've been, you know, obviously I went to AA. So like, it seems like when you go to AA, like everyone needs a story and everyone needs some kind of like big epic, like tragedy or turning point in their life that spun them out of control into drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, whatever their addiction yeah. was. Like everyone, well, my dad died or my brother died or I got abused. Like I got abused. Like there's always like this tragic story and then you go okay now I got the story I got the platform yeah. and that's what led me to the drink of drugs and that's why I'm fucked up and now that's why I'm here yeah and when you said that I was like wow it it really like the story was such a catalyst and a, and a decision that really took me out of choice and just totally into like a level of unconsciousness where I just really didn't want to be aware of anything about my life. Um, and, and I just kind of, I was so done, like, cause up to that point in my life, like I had really been trying to, you know, live life according to me the best way that I could. Like I fought so hard to be like um, a magical kid. And like, I really got into, like metaphysics and quantum stuff and spirituality. And I was doing all of this like stuff with manifestation and, and I was so sure that like there was something else possible, right? Like I just wasn't like everybody else around me in, in how I grew up. Like I was so weird. <laughs> I like didn't date. I didn't really have friends. Like I kind of stayed home a lot and like just went to school and like did the things that everybody told me I needed to do. But like, I didn't really have an interest in making myself into like the typical kid. Like there just really wasn't that in my life. So I was really like over here, just kind of living my own reality to a degree. And I had been like fighting for this other possibility for so long that like, just by the time, like, I was 18. I was just so done with like all of this stuff um, that, that I just really wanted to turn it off. Like I wanted to turn off the awareness. I wanted to turn off like the possibility and the magic, like my, the way that I found my dad was like my last act of magic where um, I hadn't seen him in nine years. And um when I was 18, it was like December and I was crying to my mom saying, I want to find my dad. And she was like, here's a number to a private investigator. I never called this private investigator. 
Two weeks later, my dad's brother calls and says, hey, I'm looking for your dad. Have you seen him? Oh, by the way, I have somebody looking for him. And then like two more weeks pass by and he is, um, and he like, they find him living four hours away. Like he's in Tennessee (laughs) and he has two to three months to live. He's been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And so like we go down and we see him and, you know, like I'm just looking for closure at that point, Um, which, you know, like based on some things that happened on there, I didn't really get the closure that I was anticipating. And then like he flew to like his family's house and then like died maybe like a month or two later. And after that, like I was just kind of, I was just kind of done. Like I was done with my family. I was done with my town. I was done like growing up in a just very small suburban life. And I just knew there was more, like, I really knew there was more. Um, But then, you know, like when, when my dad died, it was like, I I had to take that with me and Mm -hmm. it then like had to control me into the next phase of my life, right? Like I couldn't just, I couldn't just not be sad that this man who like was out of my life for such a long period of time um, was now like off the planet. So, so me being me, like I just kind of took my, like took the collective family pain and just was just like, well, I guess this is the gift that's going to keep on giving and I'll just like carry it in my backpack with me to school. I mean, you did say you like moved back in home after college. I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, and then I started drinking. I'm like, well, no wonder. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, and yeah, like there's so much that. Yeah. There's so much of that time where again, like it just, it felt like I was playing something out. Well, so I think it's just important to note here like that for the listeners, like no matter what's like you are an aware psychic being like and you pick up on all the energies around you. So even if your family are very kind people, they're really nice, they're lovely, there might be no badness in them. But like being living around, like living with these people that are your parents or your mother, your sister, whatever, at a certain age, that's a lot of awareness and energies to be living with and so drinking taking drugs having sex partying eating like even working overworking that all can be just coping mechanisms to deal with the energy that you're being bombarded with every day because you don't have any other tools so it's it's brilliant that you said it was like you took your family's collective because that's exactly probably what you did. It was it wasn't just your dad dying. It was how your mother was with that and how your the rest of your family were with that and what that brought up for all them and then what they were processing and you absorbing all of that and then going shit, how am I going to cope with all this now? Oh. And that's where the yeah. coping mechanisms drink, drugs, parting, sex. <laughs> yeah. And it was, I mean, like, it was so formulaic. Like, I just, I don't even know how else to describe it, but like, I just knew the math equation to look normal and like that. And I was like, oh, now I go to college and like, <laughs> just get really out of control. And But then, also, can we just note too, like, yeah. that's normal behavior when you're going to yeah. college. 
Like, yeah. so like, I, cause I ended up, so I don't know, how old were you when you ended up in recovery then? I was 24. Okay. Cause so you sounds like you started drinking about 18. Yeah. So when I was 18, like yeah. I'm, I'm telling you like the day I graduated and like got like, done. With let school. me fit in to being a college student and just <laughs> drink until I'm blacked out. <laughs> So yeah. I just want to note something here because this also just to clarify for people. So when you're 18, at least in a way, like in Ireland, definitely, you start drinking at 16 because it's legal at 18. So you have to start drinking before it's legal. So at 16, you start drinking. At 18, you start getting really out of control drunk because you're legal. Um, yeah. And then you can also start using drugs and doing other stuff because that's what you do. It's really funny to get to, say, you were 24. I was 21. Yeah. Um, I must have partied a bit harder than you. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really, it's really weird to get to that age and and be totally like you're a meltdown in your world. And for therapists or psychiatrists or whoever turn around to you and say you're an addict, you're an alcoholic, you need to do this, and you're like, but I was just doing what everyone else was doing. <laughs> yeah. I was just going yeah. to college. I was just drinking like everyone else. All my friends were drinking like this. Did you have that where the, where you were like? Yeah, I mean, there was so much of me that just hadn't had an outlet for expression that like when I was finally able to have an outlet for expression, whatever that was, whether it was like with my music degree or with drinking or with partying or with friends or whatever, and however that showed up, um, I really had to... Um, yeah, like I, I really just was so confused most of the time because I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, I don't understand. You all are upset at me. Like people would get upset at me. And I was like, I don't understand what, like we were all, okay. Like, I guess we're just, you know, like I, I guess being the humanoid that I am, I was just, <laughs> I just went a bit harder or, you know, like did it to like, more extreme. of an extreme yes you know like um but there was nothing in my world like I was just kind of um when I was in it it was really just kind of like well this is yeah like this is what I do I go to college I drink a lot I get out and then like you know maybe I'm still kind of partying because I'm still like I haven't left college completing college hasn't left me and um you know, like when I was staying with my parents, the only, the only thing that was really incredibly different was that like, I had, I had access to a vehicle. So I was, I was driving and I would drive intoxicated, but like, which like, <laughs> it, it's secretly like, it's the most fun thing to do. I know it's incredibly dangerous, but it was literally my most favorite thing to do when I was drinking was like to just get like blasted and go drive. And there were so many times that I put my life on the line um, and other people's lives and like truly just. I just really think it's don't. funny. It's like, it's such a bad thing in America to drink and drive. But in Ireland, <laughs> like up until like 10 years ago, like everyone did it. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was totally normal. So I just want to kind of fast forward a small yeah. bit. Like, um, so what, so what, like, can you just like, what brought you to, not what brought you to recovery, I guess, like, what, what was the beginning of recovery for you? Did you go to AA, like, NA, like, what, what was the yeah. first, like, recovery program that you got introduced to? 
So the first one that I got introduced to was through a friend um, in who I went to college with, who, um, you know, told me that he was sober and like he and I had drank together and had like, like some pretty intense, uh, like drinking events together. So like seeing him get sober was just kind of like, wow, like that's really, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, so I talked to him for a couple of months and then like literally one day just kind of woke up and was like, okay, it's time to go. (laughs) Like I just woke up out of a blackout and I was like, well, I guess it's time to go to AA now. And it was just the strangest thing, but I went to my first meeting and then the people there were, were the thing that kept me like continuing to choose it because there were just, it was the only place that I felt even slightly like minutely understood at the time. And so I was like, well, I'd rather have people who kind of get me than like feel so alone and still living with my parents. Oh, wait, I wasn't living with my parents at that time, but just feeling so alone at the time. Um, so I, I continued to do that like from 24 and I'm like, I'm still not drinking today. Um, I don't necessarily do the program today. I like. How old are you today? Uh, I'm 31. Okay. Yeah. So how many, so how old were you? So how many years did you like go to meetings before you stopped? Uh, I went to meetings up until about this past year. Like, and and even then I was still kind of going to meetings periodically, but it wasn't, it it became less of a, Oh my God, I've got to go to a meeting. Otherwise I won't stay sober. And it, it started to become more about like, okay, like my day is over. Is it really like a contribution to me to like go sit in a room full of like 15 to 20 people? Or is it a contribution for me to like stay home and sleep? Like what's the, what's the move? And for me, like the more that I could get clear on what it is that I was choosing and not what I thought I had to choose. To choose. Yeah. That's key. So mm-hmm. for those of you, you know, like that might not have ever done a 12 step program. And by the way, you don't need to do a 12 step program to have addictive compulsive behaviors. Um, you just might have gone to a 12 step program because like Gimme and Annie, you felt like you were so wrong in the world and so alone that and a lot of these programs, like you said, do give you that little bit of hope, like, okay, there's some people that kind of get me. Not really get me, but kinda like a little like 10%. Or yeah. five. But the the um I like the energy of what you said, like just what Kimberly said, like instead of having to, you can choose to. Because there is a big energy in 12-step programs around you have to do this. And if you don't do this, you will relapse or you will go insane or you'll get crazy again or you'll be abusive. Like they, And it, and it is very fear-based and it's not empowering. That part isn't. Telling people they have to do something if they don't, they will be bad or they'll be wrong is not empowering. I just have to note that. <laughs> Yeah. Addiction is such a fine line with all of it, right? Like whether you're telling someone that they do need a 12 step program or they don't, or like trying to illustrate what, what recovery looks like for one person or the other, it's always like this really fine edge of a, like, yeah. life where you're walking this really kind of tenuous path of like, 
you know, I really like, I understand that there are people who have like, who have died and there were drugs and alcohol involved. And I, I will not say that it was because of them, but like <laughs> they, they are not here and there were substances present in their life, but like, um, and the end, you know, like conversely, um, I just, yeah, it's always just such a fine line for me because I never want to be in charge of someone else's choice. Well, you're not. And also like, if someone's choosing to not be here, they really want out, they will find yeah. their way out, whether it's drink or alcohol or pills or, yeah, totally. you know, taking themselves out in a car crash, like, you know, people act like car crashes or stuff like that aren't by accident. And I'm always like, no, you know, like <laughs> the like the one, and but that's the, you know, and that's probably one of the greatest lies that's based around all therapy recovery programs is that we don't have choice. And that's what they yeah. put instill into you in AA is that like you're powerless over alcohol, you're powerless over the drugs. No, you actually have choice. But when you're full blown in addiction, like you really, it doesn't seem like you have choice. You're really addicted to the substance. So if you are so addicted that when once you drink, you can't stop. Yes, you may require to go cold turkey to stop completely. But that might not be the case either. Like that was not the case for me. I was not someone that if I opened a bottle, like, like there was a time in my life where if I opened a bottle, I would finish it. But I was also 18 and 19 and doing what everyone else was doing. And so labeling myself with that label and saying that I was powerless was totally disempowering me. Did I need to tell myself that for a while to stop? Yeah, maybe. Maybe it worked for a while. But I do think, like you said, there comes a time too then when you're like, okay, I have choice here. What am I choosing? Um, and eight, like 12 step programs, like that's what I like what you said. Like you have to, like you can't tell someone else what recovery is. Like, and that's why I'm so grateful and we haven't got there yet about the tools of right recovery for you. Cause yeah. it's actually not about like, if I'm like, I'm not telling you what right recovery for you is. Yeah. I'm not telling you what you should do. I am asking you questions so you can get what's true for you. Maybe you want to go to a meeting today. And that's why I say to people all the time, people who do access or don't do access. Like I had a lady say to me, you know, she does access. So she's no, she knows it's this greater possibility with getting your bars run with choice, with question. Her husband is full blown alcoholic. She was telling him, you know, not that he didn't need to go to AA. And I said to her, don't tell him that he may actually require AA. that may actually really help him right now. And he might need to be around people who, who don't drink right now. You know, and you touched on it when you said like the first time you went to meetings, it was the people that brought you back. And it was for me as well. There yeah. was people, some very kind, caring people who had no judgment of me, no expectation. They yeah. were not projecting onto me. And that actually changed my world. It wasn't so much the program. And I think this is where we get mixed up. It was people and what they were being for me that changed me. The program helped me too. I'm not dismissing that. But I think sometimes we don't realize what people are willing to be for us is what changes us or invites us to something different. Yeah. I mean, like there, there was such a sense of like, um, against searching for a greater possibility with like in recovery and like the first meeting that I went to, my friend said, find somebody in this group of people that they have what you want, right? Like there's someone that you and that, that's how you were instructed to choose a sponsor was like to find someone who has what you want. And I being, being the good student that I am like went right in that day and like scanned the entire room 
And I picked out this one woman who had like this really nice business suit and this pair of heels and her nails were done and she just looked very well put together. And I didn't feel put together at all. And I was like, I would love to have some of that in my life. Um, And she became my first sponsor. And it was, uh, you know, like, again, there was always just the, the, the true gift of the 12 step program that I will say it afforded me was knowing that anything is possible like in recovery, whatever that is recovery from like anything is truly possible. The moment that you know, you have choice and you're willing to choose for more like that, that for me was huge. Did it, did AA give you that energy that you had choice? Like at the beginning for me, it did. Like there was just, there was an element where like, I didn't, you know, it gave me the opportunity to know that I could even choose anything, like choose to have friends, choose to manage my time, like go to meetings or whatever, you know, like there, there were smaller choices. There wasn't necessarily like the biggest choice of knowing that my relationship with alcohol was a choice, right? Like yeah. that's, I think, I think AA would lose out on a lot of business if they didn't, if they did that, but like, um, but you got, you got, you got the energy of having your own life, like creating yeah. your own life. Like even yeah. if it's okay. Yeah. I got that too. Like, okay. How do I want to be in my life today? Like, what do I want to do? Okay. Like, even if it's, I'm going to meditate for 10 minutes, I'm going to read a passage out of a book. Like it got me to start like creating my day, even if it was a little bit structured still, because I was creating my day based on, I got to do everything right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And like the, again, like it was, it was one of those things where like, even if it was this, like the small choices, like they were just really the building blocks for me personally to, to start to step out, step away from like everything else. But like, um, yeah. Just so what yeah. what brought you to the point where you stopped going to meetings then? So when I when I so during the pandemic I found access consciousness um through a friend, did a book club, uh read, I read Living Beyond the Distractions and like was just kind of um which is a book by Gary Douglas and Dane here based on a telecall. Um, I've clearly been in access for a minute, <laughs> but like, but, um, so I, I read that book and I've, you know, like the person who was facilitating me was like, I'm sure that this is probably really weird if you've never had access before. And I was like, this is not weird. Like I'm in whatever this is, I'm in like these words make sense to me. So after finding access, um, you know, like the, the modality and the tools of access consciousness were really my first step towards doing less meetings. Like there was just so much more lightness and possibility available. And then when I found Marilyn's book and I, I read it individually first. Um, and at the time I was working at a Suboxone clinic in Ohio and I was like, I was kind of going around everybody being like, Oh my gosh, like, guys, like there's this whole new, like, do you know about this? Like this no judgment, like 
Addiction's a choice. And like, again, it's a Suboxone clinic. So like, it's totally based on people's dependence that they rely on this clinic. And so they're like, yeah, no, like, that's not, we don't want to tell people that. And I was like, no, but like, do you even like, seriously, like I, I had a conversation with someone who was like, I wouldn't encourage you like sharing that with anybody. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I, I understand. But for me, like when I read Marilyn's book and I started to even get an inkling of um, getting out of judgment of me was, was the first step to recovery of me, like beyond, beyond, like even just conceptualizing that me uh, as me, not me as the alcoholic could recover using the tools in, in the book, like it, it blew my world open, right? Like that I, I am in recovery from so much, right? Like I'm a recovering Catholic. I'm a recovering, like I'm recovering from the Midwest, you know, like I'm recovering from my family. (laughs) I'm recovering from judgment. I'm recovering from the way that I see my body or treat my body, you know, like I'm recovering from so much about my life where like, when I, when I could use the tools of right recovery for you. And, and I literally just went straight through the book and used all of the, the tools that were suggested in the book. Um, I was like, wow, I like everything is the opposite of what it appears to be in my life right now. And again, like the more that I started to add to my life as the result of the tools of access and right recovery for you, the more I just like, by the end of the day, my life was so full and I was so happy that I was like, am I really going to go back to a place that I have to like, kind of go backwards in time and pretend that I'm fucked up so that I can go forward to where I am now. Wow. And, And that was the part where I just really saw, like, I, I no longer desire to go backwards in time. And living from the forward version of me now, I've done that in meetings where like I live from the place where I'm at now and I've shared from that space. And it it's not kind to the rest of the people in the room because they can't receive what I have, you know, like what I'm aware of. And it's not kind for me because it just hurts my brain <laughs> when I share it. But like, um, yeah, like, so, so for me, like, it was just the fact that if I have to go back and able, like, in order to prove that I'm a good, right citizen that is moving forward in the future, like, now I'm just working against myself. And so, like, right recovery for you really got me to a place, again, having nothing to do with alcohol, because I was not drinking, like, I wasn't drinking, that was not a problem for me in my life, but recovering from the rest of it recovering from the judgment, the projections, the expectations, and the rejections that really actually fueled a lot of my beliefs about myself, where, again, I was always searching for, like, a way to prove how fucked up I felt. And so, like, when I could really start to step away from having to prove how fucked up I was and really acknowledge that perhaps there is another possibility available and that I'm fucking fabulous. Like then, you know, like again, I just, I didn't feel this necessity to have to kind of keep 
re-churning and rehashing a version of me that doesn't exist anymore. Like this, this person who drank for five years, like she's, she's nowhere in the like United States. She was 18. States. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like she's, she's nowhere on the planet right now. Yeah. You know, like. You're trying to talk about yourself like a century ago. <laughs> I know. Yeah, totally. Um, I love that you also said there, like you said, a key piece. It's like you said, like I started using the tools of right recovery and the tools of right recovery are also the tools of access consciousness. The tools of right recovery, just for me, I because people are like, mm, lots of people know the tools of access, but never have delved into the tools of right recovery. Yeah. For me, the tools of right recovery just take you deeper. They go more yeah. to the core. They go right to the core. Because <laughs> like, like you said, like I stopped drinking. I stopped, you know, whatever, like the excessive relationships, whatever your addiction, what they are the secondary addictions, just so people know, like they're the addictions, like that people are like, that's bad. That's wrong. And, um, but you stop all that, but then you're left like this raw, like naked child in the world going, I'm so wrong. I'm so bad. I'm so awful. Please don't tell me how bad and awful I am because I already feel bad and awful and then I'll feel even worse so one person says one thing to you you're like I'm the worst person in the world I should be crucified like there's a energy that's constantly there and I would say it's there for all humanoids but particularly people who find themselves in addiction and um but AA doesn't address that really and so you can say that you said have to go back and kind of recreate the story to prove that you're getting over the story to prove that you're creating something that but I love what you said there is like you use the tools and your life started to become so light and yeah. so big you said you said so big so so much your life started you added so much when you when your life becomes so big so great and you have so much going on you actually don't have time anymore to even think about the past. Like, yeah, like your life is so, so full. Much. You're like, what? Me? So yeah. like, someone asked me the other day, did you do that class last week? And I goes, I honestly can't remember. And I didn't <laughs> yeah. have the brain power to go back and look. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's, um, you know, like, I want to bring up one of the tools of right recovery because it's popping, popping for me, which Please, is like yeah. the, the event lie. Like going through that process of really looking at one event in my life and, and the lies that were underneath all of that and incorporated into all of that, like really dig it. I mean, it, it's, a, so it's, just, a pretty, it's a pretty extensive like exercise and the amount. And so I just want to say like Right Recovery for you really helped me take a look at what was mine and what was everybody else's. Like truly, truly, and like pulling apart, like all of that judgment. So just so people know, cause they're like, yeah. event line, yeah. what is that? They're like, what is so, that? Yeah. <laughs> one of the tools of, and we played with it in one of the right recovery for you classes this week. And actually, it actually really helped me a lot too. It's like, if you had an event that happened you, and this doesn't have to be when you were drinking or in, yeah. in addiction, this could be like at any time in your life where you were judged for something and just go back to that moment in time so right now, all of you, if you're listening, you can do this. You just go, okay, was there a moment in time in your past where you were judged for something? And then you can go back to yourself at that time and just start asking, okay, what had happened? What were you being judged for? Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
what conclusions did you make about you at that time? So if you were being judged for something, what conclusions did you come to about you? And this is where Annie's like saying, okay, I went back in time. I looked at this event. I did too. And I was being judged really harshly for something. I then made all those judgments mine. I was like, oh, so then you either align and agree with the judgments people are having of you at that time or resist and react. And then you create your life from that moment up until now as if those judgments are you. Yeah. And then, but then like the funny thing is, and I don't know where this buzzing noise is coming from. Oh, it's probably from my apartment. Oh, really? Yeah. Somebody has their garage below me. So it's um, like vibrating in my ear. (laughs) Oh my gosh. gosh. (laughs) That's so funny. So, but also I just want to, you just showed me something there, Annie, too, is that like, okay, before I did that event lie, event Mm -hmm. lie, like before I had these tools, I would have went to meetings and AA and counseling and sat there and spoken to these people, counselors, whatever, about this horrible thing I did in the past and how I was such a fucking horrible person and I was the worst person and evil and horrible and I did the worst things based on, yes, I create whatever, I chose something, but based on me taking on all the judgments everyone else was projecting onto me at that time and then destroying myself for years to hold them in place. Yeah. Like I just saw the same thing where, um, and I, I actually was just talking to a client about this today where it's just like, in what universe, like, am I believing somebody else knows more about me? Right. Like somebody tells me that I'm not good at math. That, that is a, a an actual thing. Before I ever did a math problem, I was informed that I was not good at math. Like literally, like I was just informed that it was just not going to be my subject, right? And so I did everything that I could to really support that, right? Like I was yeah. terrible at math. Yeah. But that yeah. was from the point of view that, you know, based on a like neuropsychologist and my mother deciding that, you know, that was just not going to be my thing, that I was too creative for that, right? And I was like, creative people need math. Like, I don't know how many creative people you know, but like, they really need to be good at math. So, so like, I took that, I totally carried that point of view with me where I was just like, yeah, I'm just, I'm not going to, this is how I fit, right? Like, I've just, I've just trusted that everyone has my best interest, right? And, and with that trust, of, oh yeah, everybody like totally wants, like cares about me and wants me to go far and do well and all of this, you know, that's, that's that blind spot where I won't see the lie, where I, I trust that someone else knows more than me. And when I can, again, like the gift of right recovery was just understanding that I like that trusting me is literally one of the core pieces of recovering all of the parts of me. Like it's, it's literally just like the, the biggest gift that I've received from right recovery for you and the tools of access consciousness and beyond, but like truly understanding to trust me and not trust everyone else is, is like so massive. Like I don't really have words for it. Well, the beautiful thing is that when you trust you, 
you will see when someone is telling the truth or someone is lying to you, you won't yeah. be blindsided. So when yeah. you trust you, so even if you go back to that event lie, you know, that, yeah. that moment you had where you were being judged for something and you gave up your own awareness and support of other people's judgments of you. So you made their judgments more real than what you knew yeah. and based on something you did, basically. Like it was justified, you know, rather than looking at everything's a, everything's a creation, you know, so say you did something that other someone else they were also part of that creation you know that's that's another whole conversation we can have in these yeah. right recovery for you classes but if you were just to look at like the judgment if you trusted you so go back in time to that event yeah where you took on other people's judgments of you and if you actually were like okay in that moment if i actually trusted me what would i have been aware of that i didn't want to be aware of at the time yeah. And the thing is, like, most likely is that you didn't want to be aware of where other people were functioning from. You didn't want to be aware of what the judgments yeah. your mother had of you or the judgments yeah. she had of herself that she was projecting onto you or your teachers or your friends yeah. or whoever it was that was judging you. You didn't wow, want to be aware of it. So you yeah. gave up trusting you in favor of making their awareness greater or their judgment greater than what you know. Yeah, there. I have an answer for that, but I don't know if it's something we need to share on air. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow, well, I'm pinging everywhere. I think it's me. So yeah, I mean, this is these are incredible tools, you know. And if you yeah, really want to really. get free, if you really want to be free of the lies you've been functioning from. About you, again, like, I like that you shared so much tonight about, like, the places where you're starting to get free um, from yeah. right recovery for you. And I have to say the same, like, like the, especially this event thing, like events that happened to you that you carry the lies with forever. Like, yeah. that is so freeing. And so to be like, you don't have to be functioning from addiction to look at this stuff. If you grew up in a world of judgment, you grew up in a world of addiction, our greatest addiction. If you judge you, that's an addiction. Our greatest addiction is the judgment of self. If you never judged you, you would never be at the effect of addiction. And it's only when you stop judging you that true recovery begins. And I, I get that that is, you know, that is the body of work, right? Recovery for you, recovering you from judgment. And then the beauty of it, it's like you said, recovery is different for everyone. It's creating your life. It's recovering you and then creating your life. It's not like, okay, I'm recovered. I'm good now. <laughs> I, I reach, I'm at the recover. I'm like, right, recovery for you, queen now, Annie. Like, yeah. I'm at the top, right? Oh, I yeah. Got my, totally. I got my medal, you know? And that's the beautiful thing. It's not about reaching a status and like, it, you know, because there is that in me. There's like, I'm 20 years sober. I'm 50 years sober. Yeah, totally. There's none of that. It's more like, okay, recovering me. Now, what do I want to create as my life? And then always reaching for more, always reaching for greater. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So if this sounds like, you know, if you want to look more into this, we have the Right Recovery for You book by Marilyn Bradford, which is what Annie was referring to tonight. That's an incredible one. And, you know, there's lots of different facilitators who do the book clubs. We're doing a book club at the moment and we'll probably do another few later in the year. And then you also have, um, we have a Right Recovery for You one day class coming up this weekend. 
Uh, yes, um, I'll be facilitating it and it's spaced over two days um, three hours each day, Saturday and Sunday this weekend. So you're welcome. Anyone can join it. You don't, there's no prereqs. And I think I put the link above. And then also you can also check out Marilyn Bradford. She's got a two and a half day recovery of you with ease class as well. That oh, is incredible. Thanks. Yeah. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to me or Annie. Annie's also a counselor. Yes, I am. Therapist. Yeah. She's got her own practice. She does online and live sessions. Um, so you can check out her website. It's above in the description. But you want to tell everyone what your website is? Yeah, so it's anahantacounseling.com. Um, and please feel free to check me out. I'm actually all online therapy. So oh, reach okay. me. Yeah, reach me anywhere. And I, I also do some stuff called like tools for living. So if people just want to like talk about a thing in their life, business or whatever, um, I offer body. Yeah. Business body, whatever. Um, Relationship. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Any of that. um, I I do schedule sessions for that as well. So check it out. Wonderful. Amazing. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being so honest and open and sharing your journey. Very grateful. And I know there's a lot of people in here. Very grateful for you too in the comments section. So thank you, Annie. Thank we'll you. see you all next week. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Dance to Oneness podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. If you'd like to know more about what I have to offer, you can find me at www.amyshine.net.